This is Soccer City. With the Patrick Vieira period closed, the Dominic Torrent era has begun for the New York City Football Club. In Torrent's debut on Sunday, his new club rallied for a win over the defending MLS Cup champions. Coming up, a post-game report and my one-on-one with the former Pep Guardiola assistant who just wants to be called Dome. Plus, a look at the political struggles in his native Catalonia with Wado commentator Ariel Hudis. Tom Beyer, he's a Bronx, New York native, a world-renowned technical coach that you may have never heard of because he's done a bulk of his teaching in Japan. Well, we'll have a chat about Japan in this year's World Cup with a good chance to advance out of their group. On Monday, I wanted to find a bar to watch the Spain-Morocco match, so I got out my tapas dartboard, and my first toss landed on Boqueria on West 40th Street. So there I went with large glass doors wide open, uh, a welcoming image on a beautiful New York day, and inside, the supporters of Spain. And that's where I met Oscar Lopez by himself for the game. Now, are, you're here today. It's it's a little past lunchtime. Are you expecting any company, or are you just here solo to watch the game? Actually, one of my buddies couldn't get out of work today, so I'm, I'm going to be here solo today. <laughs> well, you must have a better job. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Oscar is a 27-year-old Guatemalan, but he became a fan of Spain in a way many have before by watching FC Barcelona. Donned in a Spain jersey with the name Iniesta on the back, for the Barca legend, Andres Iniesta, playing in his final World Cup. I mean, I hope we win it. Uh, I think it would be a great way to end his career with Barcelona and also with the Spanish national team. Um, I really hope, you know, this is his glory for this year. Does he uh, bring a, a lot of emotion to it, like a Xavi? I mean, you, you look at those Barca guys that have made their contributions to the national team. Uh, what does it mean to you that Iniesta's kind of leaving the game, even though he's still going to be playing? Uh, I think it's. I'm going to be really sad and emotional. I've been watching Iniesta since I was nine years old, um, but I feel like this is going to be a good, a good game for them. Do you play yourself? I do. I play in Brooklyn, like pickup games. So you experienced uh, the World Cup title in 2010, and uh, now two cycles later, uh, what do you think of Spain this year and and their chances? I think their chance is a lot better. They have a, a younger squad uh, compared to the 2014 knockout. Um, we have great uh, defenders in the back with Gerard Piquet, uh, Jordi Alba, uh, Sergio Ramos. Uh, and then in the midfield, you still have Thiago David Silva. Um, so I think overall, it's just a better team, for, better from the last time we had. Well, you said you're a Barca fan, so you must be a Pep Guardiola fan. And you're a New York City FC season ticket holder. and. One of Pep's lieutenants is now in charge of the program, Dome uh, Toron. What was your reaction to that? I was actually really excited. It was really sad to see Patrick Vieira leave, um, but I think with his experience, I think he can bring a lot to the NYCFC team. And while NYCFC players have to get accustomed to a new manager, Spain had to do the same, but just two days before their World Cup opener, when the Federation fired Julian Lopetegui after he accepted the Real Madrid job. He was replaced by a Spain legend, Fernando Herrero. A little unsettling, though, for Oscar. I was shocked, and I honestly thought it was the biggest mistake um, from switching coaches two days before the game. And these are the guys that have been working with the coach for over two years. So I think it, the whole nation of Spain was just completely in shock. 
After hearing the whole story, do you feel like he still should have been retained, or do you think the Federation did the right thing? I don't think the Federation did the right thing. I think they were I'm upset in the moment. Um, but, I mean, with the new coach that they uh, inquire, I think hopefully we do better, but we'll see. <laughs> did you go on social media at all to see what the reaction to all that was? I did see. I know a lot of the players felt like they were in a funeral. A funeral? That's what uh, Sergio Ramos said. They were like very shocked with their with the reaction that the Spain Federation did. But now they, what can they do? They have to carry on. They do. I mean, we have one more game to qualify, get these three points, and go on to the round of 16. Well, it turns out Spain only needed one point on Monday. A late equalizer secured the top spot in the group. There were a pair of Australians at one table at Bocaria, Tasha Burton and Liam Ryan. Uh, the Aussies are in the World Cup, but they were idle on the day. Tasha, though, was especially intent for blood reasons. You're wearing your Spain top. Why uh, supporting Spain? Uh, my mom's side is from Madrid, so I've always supported Spain, but it's good to have two teams in the World Cup. So, aside from Australia, they're my other team. Well, you've got uh, players from Real Madrid and also players from Barcelona on the Spanish national team. Is it a bit of a conflict sometimes when you're watching them together? Yeah, it certainly is, but with players like Iniesta, that really helped carry us forward. You sort of learn to forgive every four years. Um, but also it comes into play when we're playing teams like Portugal and you see Cristiano Ronaldo score against you. It's very hard to swallow. So. How many uh, matches have you seen in Madrid? Have, have you been to games and uh, enjoyed that experience? I've been very fortunate to see El Clasico at Bernabeu. <laughs> um, I was quite young, but my mom actually wrote a letter to the club and they gave us really great seats. So it was, I was uh, very much a fan of Roberto Carlos and I felt like I could say his name and he might even hear me. We were so close. So it was really, really fun for an 11-year-old. <laughs> When you're watching the games, like here, uh, do you normally go out to a restaurant or a pub to watch rather than maybe at home? Yeah, absolutely. I love the atmosphere and being from Australia, we would always get cups uh, tournaments in the middle of the night, so you can't really do the same thing. So being in New York is really fun to go out and um, be around your team and go to a Spanish bar and that's all part of it. So, Were you in Australia when Spain won in 2010? I was, um, and that was a fun story too. We did a sort of midnight trip to Sydney from my hometown, which is about a three hour drive. It was very spontaneous. At midnight, I thought, I want to watch this game at Sydney Harbour um, and get some atmosphere. So we drove up just before the game and drove up straight after, and I went to work very tired. So, what are you doing in New York? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I've loved it. Did some school here, vowed to come back, so I uh, quit my job back home and moved here a few weeks ago. <laughs> wow. So, have you found work yet? <laughs> uh, only interviews so far. I haven't been here too long, but I'm very excited to be going to interviews and seeing the first steps. So, yeah, it's been good. <laughs> and you brought somebody with you? So, Lirai is actually from my high school in Australia. So. <laughs> He's been here a couple of years as well, so I've been dragging him along to all the Spain games. He goes to the Australian games willingly, obviously. <laughs> you obviously are a bit more optimistic than he is in regard to the World Cup chances. Yeah, I always am. I mean, he's been historically a lot more right than I have been. <laughs> but yeah, optimistic. All right, well, the friend Liam, uh, he's been in the States on a J-1 work and holiday visa. Tasha, she was running to Brooklyn after the match. 
to check on an apartment. Well, they'll both be up and out early on Tuesday. That's when Australia meets Denmark in Group C and the rights to the round of 16. Tom Beyer is a native of the Bronx in New York and attended SUNY Ulster before making a decision to move to the other side of the world, Japan. More than 30 years later, he has become a technical coaching icon in his country, greatly admired as a grassroots instructor. And watching Japan succeed in Russia with their superior technical skills led me directly to the guy known around Japan as Tom-san. Tom, welcome to the program. Japan, getting it done at the World Cup. So what's the mood in the country? Hey, Glenn, good to be here. Uh, well, I mean, everybody's over the moon here. Um, you know, like you said, Japan defeated Colombia, which, you know, everybody thought that was going to be the toughest game. A um, little good, little good luck on the Japanese side. They were they were able to come along with come away with three points. Um, but yeah, everybody. I mean, it's it's twenty four seven all over the news. I mean, you know, the Japanese national team is extremely popular to begin with. Um, but now that they've got you know found their winning groove and could be headed to the, you know, the best sixteen. Um, there's a lot of excitement here. We know it's not automatic, but is there a good feeling that the Japan will advance? Um, as you may know, or maybe I'm sure a lot of the listeners don't know, um, the head coach of the Japanese national team only took over in April. His name is Nishino, um, and he actually happens to be the captain of the team that I played for when I was playing here in Japan, Hitachi. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot. there's been a lot of scrutiny, but I think now, um, because they've done you know quite well already, um, he's been semi-vindicated. So it's worked out well, but what were the issues surrounding that? Has it been revealed? You know, it's a hard job when you come out to an Asian country because of the language, the cultural differences. Um, and, you know, Japan just wasn't doing well. They did qualify for the World Cup, so it does look a bit unfair when you've got a, you know, a head coach um, who is actually the second head coach. Um, so they've gone through three head coaches in this cycle. Um, and the first two were foreigners. The present guy now is the... Uh, is Japanese, um, but uh, there's a lot of backstories of, of why he uh, got fired. Um, the, the biggest story is apparently he, what everybody thinks is he, he as they say in these days, uh, lost the dressing room, especially amongst some of the senior players. He wasn't playing some of the senior players who are the more popular players in Japan, Kagawa, who plays for Dortmund, um, and then Honda, who was at AC Milan for the last couple of years, but now he plays in the, he plays down in Mexico. Um, so, there's, you know, this is modern-day football now where sometimes business and media and sponsors, um, they've got a lot of say in the way that the national team is run. Now, while Japan has been in every World Cup, Tom, since 1998, they've never advanced past the round of 16. And do you look at this team and, and see that the, they've really got a chance to do that for the first time? Well, to be honest with you, they've been overachieving. I think that's why everybody's jumping up and down. Um, everything on paper thought that this was going to be a bit of a disaster and they wouldn't probably even come, come away with a win, you know, having sacked the, the coach for the second time. It's a pretty old team. 
um, relying upon some of the older players uh, in their 30s. But, you know, if anything, I think Glenn has showed us in this World Cup, anything's possible. Uh, Tom, you've been a technical coach uh, in Japan for many years. I'm curious as to what impact uh, your television show in the morning, if people don't know, you were a popular figure with your uh, mm. daily show uh, focusing on technique. And when uh, and you hear people talk about it now watching the Japanese play, they center on the technical ability of the players but this is a this is a big part of the culture yes yeah it is i mean myself involved you know not just myself but my organization for many years been here for over three decades but we put uh, quite a few we we, sh- we we shine the light so to speak on the focus of technical development with the idea that you know if you want to be a good soccer player it all starts with the technical component and the way we did that was by delivering our message um, through many different media channels, appearing on Japan's number one television show for children every weekday morning, doing a one-point technical lesson that the corner lasted about 14 years. Um, that mixed in with uh, appearing in Japan's number one comic book, which is a big comic culture here, pop culture. We know pretty much that this generation of players, um, there's a touch point. They've either grown up going to one of our football schools, which we have over 100 today, um, but, you know, it's not the only thing, but it's definitely, I think we played a pretty big role in trying to change the culture of making the entry level of, of soccer here um, very technical. And you do see that because there's no doubt about it, that, that the characteristics of Japanese players. What were the important technical points that you were sharing each morning with the, with the children in Japan? Well, what we did was it was a very short corner that would go one to two minutes and it really empowered children to practice on their own. So it was really themed around uh, one player, one ball. Um, We would usually have what we call a ball mastery skill um, that was either static or could be on the move, Um, you know, something they could do with both your right and your left foot. And then we would do many, many different moves, uh, change of direction moves, cutting, stopping, starting, turning, um, moves to beat opponents like scissor moves. And it's interesting because... We do this even today. We just filmed a big series down in Australia um, for one of the World Cup broadcasters there, and I focused on 11 key players, star players, Messi, Ronaldo, Suarez, Neymar, Iniesta, Pogba, Modric, these these players, and basically link and, and break down their technical skills and then show how you can use a ball mastery skill and then a, a signature move, which is a feint, um, so the kids can practice this. It's, it's really just you know watching the world's best and trying to figure out, well, how can I replicate that? And it's the amount of repetition and doing it over and over again. He's Tom Beyer, the author of Football Starts at Home. He's in Japan enjoying the uh, the performances of the Japan national team. They've got Poland on Thursday to see if they get out of the group. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks, Glenn. Colombia, another country in Group H with Japan. Two weeks ago, I met Michael Alarte in Jackson Heights, and told his story here on Soccer City, a native Colombian. He moved to Queens two years ago, and ever since, he saved $20 a week so that he could go to Russia to watch his beloved Los Cafeteros. He's there. And I thought of Michael when Colombia blanked Poland 3 to nothing, setting up a chance to advance to the round of 16 with a win over Senegal on Thursday. With a predilection for jazz and a nice glass of red wine, Dominic Tourant should fit well into the culture of New York City. He's also an alto sax player from Catalonia, Spain.
but best known as Pep Guardiola's former top lieutenant at Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and Manchester City. And he now also has a perfect record as head coach of the New York City Football Club following a come-from-behind 2-1 win over Toronto FC on Sunday night. Teron was hired to replace Patrick Vieira on June the 11th, but he was prevented from conducting sessions with the team until he received his work visa. He flew into New York late on Friday night, ran his first and only training session prior to the TFC match on Saturday. Still, he had high expectations. It was not easy for me because it's a crazy, a crazy week. At the end, everything is good. Uh... Uh, yesterday was the, the first training session for me and I thought that the players are ready because uh, I watched uh, the whole uh, training session and when I, when I watched uh, uh, the intensity, the attitude, their training, uh, I say okay, uh, they are ready to, to, to try to win the game because it's not easy. Toron uh, has spent a lot of time watching his new team from afar training sessions and multiple matches on film, and his sense upon arrival that the players actually underestimate their ability. I say to, to, to them, I think they are better than they think. They, they uh, have more quality. Uh, and and I, it's my opinion. When I watched the, the last uh, nine games, I thought, oh, it's amazing, it's amazing. He's an amazing team. At central back, Sebastian Ibiaga played a large role in stifling Sebastian Giovinco and the TFC attack, and he agreed afterward with his new coach. I think he put his stamp on how he wants us to play, and he, like he said at the end of the game, he said we're better than we think we are, and I think he's right. I think we just have to have that confidence going into every single game, and we'll play the way we played against Atlanta and the way we played the second half today. NYCFC tied Atlanta 1-1 prior to the international break. Vieira still managed the team at that time. He left shortly thereafter, and the club immediately named Turon to the post, although bureaucratic tape, the color of Turon's preferred wine, delayed his arrival. Turon still was able to express to Ibiaga and the team some of the specific tactics that he will develop over time. He came in, and we had a pretty long meeting and just how he wanted wanted us to press and how he wanted us to play so it was great I mean we kind of got a feel for him and uh, the more time we get to spend together this whole week next week will be even better just to kind of get exactly how he wants us to play. And Torrent had to deliver his very first halftime speech down a goal and it came with both tactical instruction plus a little psychological intervention. I say uh, the, to them the first one don't give up we are the New York City club don't give up and we have to play a little bit more quickly for me uh, the the big change was winger upside uh, upside uh, back inside control control victor vasquez control barley and nothing happened and very little did happen for the reds while you inga Burgett's first brace provided the winning margin i first met Tehran prior to the match to welcome him and conduct his first American radio interview. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm very happy to be here right now. Uh, I'm excited to, to start to play in the MLS. So it must have been a, a little frustrating. You get hired, but you can't dig right in and get into training with your team and meet your team. So how did that all go for you? Uh, I, can, I cannot change uh, anything. Uh, the problem was uh, a visa. It's not easy to 
to go the to USA right now because it's very complicated for the for the bureaucratic uh, papers, you know. But uh, I'm happy because uh, uh, at the end I'm here and and I arrive uh, before the game is the, the most important for me for the club because uh, uh, it's not easy when the when uh, Patrick uh, is gone and they are uh, one week or two weeks without uh, a head coach. So you you've seen the training sessions on film. Mm-hmm. And then have talked to Javier and Rob about how you want to do things a little. Every every day, uh, especially Javier, called me and explained me what uh, happened in the in the in the field in the training session. But I say to to Javier, Javier, don't worry. I watch the the training session. But uh, they work uh, they work hard. They they work very well, and I'm I'm very happy with 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 this stuff. Dome, you've had this incredible experience of working under Pep Guardiola, 11 years. And he'd spent a year here in the city in, in that little hiatus period. Did, did he help you decide that this was a good spot to be? It was amazing experience with Pep. Uh, it's 11 years. He's as amazing, uh, not uh, just uh, like a coach, he's an amazing person. Uh, in fact, uh, two, year, two, two hours before, he called me and... And he asked me, "You are ready, Domi? Yeah, of course, uh, I'm ready, Pep. Uh, Pep is a, a close, uh, a close friend for me. He's, a, he's like a, my family. He's, a, he's like a brother." Can you tell us uh, one, maybe two things specifically that you've taken from Pep that you'll bring here to New York City? No, it's, uh, it's the same idea. Uh, Pep and me uh, think about football uh, the same. Uh, we uh, we like to 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 make high pressing, if it's possible, to recover the ball quickly, and many many people think about Pep. Pep uh, like to keep the ball all the time. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's, it's a wrong uh, because uh, Pep like to attack uh, as soon as possible uh, when recovering the ball. Uh, when recovering the ball, the fastest day for Pep is uh, attack quickly. And after that, uh, if it's not possible, of course, uh, keep the ball. Uh, we like to play uh, all the time with uh, intensity. Uh, recover the ball is uh, better for us to, to play uh, one touch, not uh, two touches or three touches, if it's possible. But uh, all of thing depends always the, the, the quality of our players. I have, uh, we have a, a, talent, a talent team. And I need uh, I need to to train maybe two weeks more for uh, introduce a little bit difference uh, in between uh, uh, Patrick and, and 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 me. But it's very very similar. Uh, Patrick, uh, in fact, uh, was a, a good a good uh, coach. He has been amazing amazing job here. And I respect a lot, like a player and like a, a manager. And you've seen the team play many times, not in person, but uh, I'm not sure how many games you've seen, but you feel like you have yeah. players that will be able oh. to pick up what you want to show? I've seen, uh, I've seen uh, the last nine games. The, I think right now... Uh, I know uh, absolutely our players, the quality. 
And that is uh, uh, one of the reasons why I'm here, because I liked uh, this team. I like this team. When I watch the, the games, I think about uh, this team. Oh, it's a, it's a talent team. Uh, when I watch the, the games, I think, oh, this, this team maybe is for you, because you can play in, 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 in your way. I, I think we, we have a talent team. The new New York City FC coach, Dolme Touron. My uh, next assignment will be to furnish my favorite jazz clubs to the new coach, who regrets that he has not played his saxophone in six years. Touron was born and raised in Catalonia, that's the home of FC Barcelona, which is seeking independence from Spain. Ariel Hudas, a Spanish commentator for NYC Broadcasts on Wado, was born in Argentina but has Catalan blood. His father, native to Barcelona, and Ariel monitors the soccer and political activities there. And he got a surprise when he woke up on Monday morning after the NYCFC victory. So I was listening to Rack U, which is the, um, the, the, the most important radio network in, in Catalonia. It's a, it's a whole, whole only Catalan um, radio network. And, uh, yeah, the first news they gathered when the sport uh, show started um, early this morning here in New York, by midday in, in Barcelona, was, uh, hey, we got to tell you that Dominic Rent won his first uh, game uh, as a NYC, NYCFC coach. And I was pretty amazed because they never, almost never talk about anything other than FC Barcelona, let alone MLS. It's very rare, very unique to listen to those guys speak about um, what happened this weekend. The fact that he was highlighted, uh, that, that puts him uh, at a level there. He must be so highly respected at Barcelona. I think so. You know what? When Pep Guardiola coached the team, I was living there. It was a very interesting time to, interesting time to, to, to kind of uh, enjoy what was going on there with players and coaching staff and whatever. But you uh, almost never hear about guys like Dominic Torrent. You always hear about Pep Guardiola, because he's, uh, Guardiola is such an, a polarizing figure, in not only in Catalonia, but in Spain in general, that you almost never knew who was who were their, their, their assistants. Uh, that's what surprised me the most when I hear this morning that they were talking about Ariel, I know you follow it closely. Can you update us on the uh, proposed independence that uh, Catalonia is trying to achieve? Catalonia is a, what in Spain is called an autonomous community, which is a group of four little provinces. What they are trying to do eventually is to succeed uh, uh, from, from Spain and, and start a new country. If this issue, this problem, reflects somehow in Dominic Torrent's personality, I don't know. We'll have to see. Maybe he will uh, eventually open himself and tell us about what he thinks or how he feels about this issue. As you mentioned, he's so close to Pep Guardiola, and Pep Guardiola is definitely involved in the situation that one can imagine that Torrent may be involved in some kind of activity uh, related to, to this move, movement movement in, in, in Catalonia, social and political movement. Ariel, if uh, Catalonia were to achieve independence, how would that specifically impact FC Barcelona? 
that would be a mess. Uh, as you can understand, there's a lot of speculation about what could happen if that day comes to to reality. Um, many people say that the French League would immediately uh, accept Barcelona uh, for their league and, and Barcelona would start competing in France. But that's pure and mere speculation. We don't know what could happen. NYCFC commentator and football MLS editor Ariel Houdis, who said a Catalonia league with mostly Division Two and three teams would be a nightmare for Barcelona. One more World Cup note before we close. England, they've already clinched a place out in uh, Group G along with Belgium with victories over Tunisia and a 6-1 drubbing of CONCACAF minnow Panama. And we spoke of the cynical and pessimistic nature of English fans on last week's program. Now, that's been reinforced by my partner during Sunday's broadcast of New York City versus TFC. I could see it in his eyes. The former Millwall center back, Matty Lawrence. England, celebrating, we're but not, still cynical and pessimistic. We're not celebrating anything yet. I told you I told you before the World Cup, we'll be out in the uh, last 16 stage. I still stand by that. And that'll do it for Soccer City. Our next New York City FC broadcast Saturday night in Chicago when the boys in blue take on the Chicago Fire. Airtime 8.15 for the pregame with coach Dolme Turon on WNYE 91.5 FM and worldwide on the TuneIn app. I'm Glenn Crooks. Have a great day, everybody.